we are beginning a brand new series of messages today. And I'm excited about this series because I know it's going to help you so much in your business. It's going to help you in your family. It's going to help you with the team that you're a part of. It's going to help you with your personal goals. But most of all, it is critical to the plan that God has for you. How many of you know that God has a calling on your life? Just lift up your hand if you know God has a calling on your life. That's most of you. That's pretty good. My hope would be that every hand goes up when I ask that question because God has a calling on your life. Now, when I say that, I know that sometimes there's different connotations or even baggage associated with that. But when I, I'm telling you that God has a calling, I'm not just limiting it to this one dimensional function like I'm called to be a preacher or you're called to be, you know, a, a teacher or a professor or a lawyer or a doctor or whatever it is your profession is that you do. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm simply telling you that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God has a plan and a purpose on this earth, and he is inviting you into that process. God is always inviting you, whether you are nine or whether you are 92, God wants to use you for his purposes. And this series is really about equipping you to step into what God has called you to and what we're going to talk about is unfortunately an often overlooked and underdeveloped area of our lives. Because the area we're going to talk about is it's not your beliefs, even though how many of what you believe matters. What, what you believe is really, really important. You need to know what you believe and it should influence your life. But you could have good doctrine and still be failing in this area. You could have the right beliefs and still be underdeveloped in this area. The area that we're going to talk about is not your skills, even though I believe you need to have skills to do what God has called you to do. God has given you gifts. You need to develop those gifts. I believe you don't just need the will to do what God has called you, but you need the skill to do it. So it's important to develop your skills. But we're not talking about your skills today. We're not even talking about your, your mindset, even though your mindset is really important. Your mindset matters, how you think about things, how you respond to things, your perspective. But even if you had the right mindset, you could still be failing in this area because in this series, what I want to talk to you about is your character. I want to talk to you about your character. Now, to be clear, when we start talking about character, we're talking about the way we live some of these things out. And what I'm not talking about is whether or not you are loved, accepted, and saved by God. Because as we, as we talk about, you know, how we live these things out, sometimes it can come across as a very works-based righteousness, and that's not what I'm presenting to you today. God loves you, period, full stop. You can't earn his love. You can't earn his grace. You can't earn his righteousness. God offers that to you through Jesus, and you receive it by grace. But you can grow, you can develop, you can mature, and you should want to. And that's God's will for us as we grow, that we would grow up spiritually, that we become spiritually mature. So this, this series is about helping you grow and develop spiritual maturity. Because the truth is, the things that God has in store for you, his plans, his purposes, they do not happen automatically. They don't happen just because you come to church. 
They don't happen just because you know that mentally. There are things that you have to develop in to receive what God has for you. And so even though God has a calling on your life, even though he's given you opportunities, even though he's put gifts inside of you, even though there is God-sized potential within you, you will never fully realize the call of God on your life if you don't take time to develop your character. That's where our theme calling card comes in. We're talking about the calling of God, but calling card, if you don't know, uh, the idea of a calling card originated in the Victorian age of France. We might think of it like a business card, but it really wasn't a business card. It was a little social card that people would leave behind when they would visit a gathering, they would visit a friend's house, they would visit a social party. It was not really so much about contact info. It just had their name on it, had a card on it. It was their name on a card. And they would leave it behind almost in the same way that we use social media today. It was kind of like an 18th century version of social media. You would visit a friend's house. You would see the guests because they'd have a pile of these cards of who had been at their house. Or you would go someplace. You'd be like, oh, that person has been here too. And I've been there. And it was this status symbol, the calling card. It was a way of knowing Uh, it was a way of a person leaving their mark or making their presence felt after they've already been gone. And over time, because this was a status symbol, these calling cards became more ornate and more elaborate. People put a lot of emphasis in them because they wanted to, you know, impress the people that would see them later on. Well, even though the practice of leaving a calling card has long faded, the idea that there are unique and distinguishing characteristics remains, and that's where we get this phrase, calling card. Like my wife, you know, her, her calling card, so to speak, is I know when I walk in the door, um, there's a good chance it's going to smell like bleach, Lysol, and lemon because that's her favorite cleaning smells, and she's been cleaning the house, and that's, that's kind of her, her calling card. It's the unique and distinguishing characteristics that remain after you've gone, and That's why we call this series Calling Card. We're going to discover four distinguishing qualities that will set you apart, prove your potential, and qualify your character so that you can step into your God-given calling. And to kick us off today, I want to begin with the first one. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Now, we're going to look at a number of verses, but... To begin, I just want us to read this one verse, and this is something that Jesus said that is found in the Gospel of Luke. Let's look at it together. We'll put the words on the screen for you. It says, if you're faithful in small-scale matters, you'll be faithful with far bigger responsibilities. If you cannot be trusted in small responsibilities, you'll be no different in bigger things. Now, because we just have one verse I want to read this again, but I want to ask you to read it with me. So let's all read together. Don't read from your translation. Look at the screen. Let's read from from my translation. This is what it says. Let's go. If you're faithful in small-scale matters, you'll be faithful with far bigger responsibilities. If you cannot be trusted in small responsibilities, you'll be no different in bigger things. Well, we could just say amen and go home now. That's all we need to... Get today, but I want to use this passage to talk to you about this quality 
of being faithful in small things. And this idea, this quality, this characteristic, being faithful in small things, it is the door to more in your life. That's the title of my message. We're calling this the door to more. And as you'll notice, we have these icons on the screen behind me. So each week we're going to unlock one of these icons to help you uh, remember what we're talking about, the door for more. Now, Marissa and I, we've been married for over 20 years now, and uh, we've gone on many dates, many vacations, many trips. And oftentimes when we're having a romantic dinner, I like to play this little game with her where I will ask her, I'll say, you know, what is it you love about being married to me? It's really not so much a game. It's really just an opportunity for me to hear nice things about myself. And I'll ask her, you know, I'll say, what is it you love about being married to me? Tell me, tell me all the good things about me. And I'm expecting her to say, you know, some big thing, like it's the fact that you are a beacon of spiritual wisdom in my life. You're such an incredible physical specimen. That's why I, you know, it's the fact that my life is immeasurably better than I ever could have possibly imagined since marrying you. That's what I love. That's what I imagine she's going to say. But she, she usually doesn't come with some big thing. When I ask her, say, what is it you love about being married to me? She'll usually answer, it's the little things. It's the little things. It's, it's the fact that we have a million inside jokes that only the two of us know and understand. It makes us laugh. It's the fact that I'll put the kids to bed at night or maybe I'll bring her a Coke Zero in the morning before I go to work. It's, it's the little things. And what's funny to me is if we were to flip that question and I was to ask her, well, what is it you don't like about being married to me? The reality is she's not going to say it's some big thing. She's going to tell you it's, it's the little things. It's the fact that, you know, I'll leave my shoes in the front door of the entryway or it's the fact that I'll leave my towel on the floor. You know, apparently I leave stuff around just to keep me on her mind. But I, <laughs> usually it's, it's the little things. I mean, even when we have an argument, I've noticed we usually don't argue over some big thing. We usually are arguing over a little thing. And I guess what I'm trying to tell you is that little things matter. How many of you know little things matter? And while this is true for our marriage, what Jesus is telling us in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, is that little things, not only do they matter in marriage, they, they matter in every area of your life. And not only do they matter, but how you approach a little thing is an indicator of how you'll approach a greater thing. Let's look at this verse one more time. He says, if you're faithful in small scale matters, You'll be faithful with far bigger responsibilities. If you cannot be trusted in small responsibilities, you'll be no different in bigger things. Now, he didn't just say this once in Luke's gospel. Jesus would say this multiple times, a version of this. Not just in Luke's gospel, he would say it in all the gospels. He would bring this up when he would talk about money. He would bring versions of this up in different parables that he would share. One of his most famous parables, of course, is the parable of the talents. In this story, Jesus tells about a man, a master, a king, who was going away on a journey, but before he left, 
he gave some money, some talent, some bags of gold to his servants. One received five, one received two, one received one. He says, I'm going away. When I come back, I expect to return. You probably are familiar with the story. The one who received five doubled it. The one who received two doubled it. The one who received one buried it. And usually when we tell this story, we focus on the guy who received one. The idea is that God has given you a gift. He has given you talents, even if you just have one talent. So don't bury your talent. You need to use what God has given you. But we miss the fact of what God had, of what these other servants did. The one who received five and the one who received two. I want you to notice what the master said to them in Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. It says that the master answered, you did well. These are to the ones who doubled it. You are a good servant who can be trusted. You did well with small things. So I will let you care for much greater things. Come and share my happiness with me. It's interesting. He says, you've done well with a small thing. I'm going to give you a much greater thing. And Jesus begins this parable by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. What that means is this is how God operates. This is God's way of doing things. God will give you a small thing and he wants to see if you're faithful with that small thing so he can trust you with the greater thing. In other words, we don't get to sidestep this truth. The great things that God wants to do in our life really hinge on our ability to be faithful with the small things. I'll put it this way, that you don't rise to the level of your opportunity, you rise to the level of your faithfulness. Many times we think that if I just had a greater opportunity, well, I would have greater faithfulness. If I had greater responsibility, I would have a greater amount of integrity. I would have greater effort. I would have greater energy. But Jesus says in Luke 16, 10, that your opportunity doesn't grow your faithfulness. On the other hand, your faithfulness does grow your opportunity. Your opportunity is not going to grow your integrity, but your integrity will grow your opportunity. And many times we think we need something different, but what we really need is to develop greater character. I see this with my kids. If you have kids, you probably see the same thing. My kids are always trying to bargain with me. They're always saying, dad, will you get me this? Will you buy me that? Dad, can I have this? And the most recent example of this is with my middle son, Oliver, my shoes. If you've seen him around here, he is growing very tall, very quickly. And his feet are also catching up, which he thinks means that he can wear my shoes. He thinks he has access to my closet. I guess they get access to the pantry. They think they get access to my closet too. So he's, no lie, he's gone into my closet and he's keeping inventory of the ones that I wear and the shoes that I don't wear. He's actually gone in and put his name on all the shoes that he wants to inherit one day when I'm done with them, I guess. But he, he keeps track of all my shoes and he'll ask me, dad, can, can I have these? You don't wear these anymore. Will you give these to me? But what he doesn't realize is I've taken notice of how he treats his current shoes. <laughs> that we've bought him new shoes for him specifically and they don't last for new very long. They quickly go from white to gray to brown because he doesn't treat them 
he doesn't really value them the same way that I think he should. And so if he doesn't treat this small thing, I'm not going to give him a greater thing. And what's true for my son is also true for me. And it's also true for you. That faithfulness in small things is really the door for more in your life. Now, a lot of people, a lot of people have a negative connotation with small things. We don't value them because they're not obvious. But I want to flip that for you this morning because small things are your rite of passage to a greater thing. When you start to recognize that small things are a doorway for a greater opportunity, you'll begin to view your life differently because it means you can grow. It means that you can improve. It means that God has greater things in store. It means there's better opportunities on the way. So, so don't view a small thing in an in a unimportant manner. Don't, don't look at it just because it's small is unimportant because it's really a key to unlock greater potential. I want to read to you what God said through the prophet Zechariah. He says this in Zechariah 4 verse 10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Now, if you don't know the context of this passage, Zechariah was a prophet during a period in Israel's history known as the exile. The exile is a time where they had been taken captive. The best and the brightest in the nation had been carried off to Babylon. Jerusalem and Israel had been conquered. The city had been destroyed along with it, the temple, along with it, their hope. And so the people of Israel are in this foreign land, hundreds of miles away from their city. They don't have a temple where they can worship God. And some people have begun to return. They had permission to begin to rebuild the temple. But it seemed small. It seemed insignificant. It didn't seem like it mattered. And so God raises up the prophet Zechariah to speak to them. And he says, don't despise these small beginnings. I know it doesn't look like much to you. But it matters a lot to God. God rejoices to see the work. Now, even though this is talking about the temple, what I think is helpful for us to remember is that in the New Testament, we're told that the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in a temple made with hands. The Spirit of God dwells in us if we place our faith in Christ. That our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Why am I sharing this with you? Because the things that God wants to build in your life He's going to start small. God wants to do a big thing. He wants to do a great thing. But it's not going to come in a dramatic, monumental way. It's going to come in a small, seemingly insignificant way. But get this, just because it's small doesn't mean it's insignificant. Just because it doesn't look like much doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. Think about this. When Jesus performed his ministry on the earth and Jesus left the earth, there had to be people that thought his ministry was a failure. I mean, he's been on the earth three, you know, he's been in ministry three years, 33 years. He was on the earth ministry three years, making all these promises, all of these claims. And he leaves. And there's 11 guys left, 11 disciples. Some of you said, I thought he had 12 disciples. Well, he did. But Judas, you know, eh. He, just trying to make the Bible come alive for you. 
That's what happened. So he's got 11 disciples left. There had to be people who thought he was a failure. And yet, those 11 guys changed the world. I mean, think about this. When, what did Jesus do to change the world? He started small. He started small. And so when I'm telling you to be faithful in small things, what does that look like in our life? Maybe it starts with a small step of obedience. Maybe it begins with a small instruction that God has given you. Like a lot of us don't even understand how God speaks to us. But when God speaks to you, he, he doesn't show up in your life typically in a dramatic, big way. Many times when, when God begins to speak to you in, in your life, he'll speak through a small impression. I should really text that person. I know I need to finish my homework. Man, I, I know I should return that phone call. I know I need to lay off the sweets. I know I need to put down the remote, stop binging this show. Can I tell you the I knows, that's God talking to you. That's the Holy Spirit leading you. Scripture refers to the voice of God as a still, small voice, not a big, loud voice. When God shows up in your life, he doesn't come with a big, loud voice, comes with a still, small voice. And a lot of times we know what we should do, but we make excuses, we rationalize it away. Oh, it's not that big a deal. I'll do it later. I'm real busy right now. But understand, God doesn't give you an instruction for his benefit. He gives you an instruction for your benefit. He comes to you with an instruction because he wants to grow you. He wants to help you. He wants to develop you. He wants to help you move forward, help you mature. But it never looks like an opportunity for more. It never looks like an opportunity for increase. It never looks like an opportunity for greater because it shows up as something insignificant. But when you have an impression to encourage somebody, that's not just a nice thought. That's, that's God asking you to do it. And if you don't learn obedience in the small things that God is asking you to do, it will keep you from the greater things that God has in store. Because just like, just like big doors swing on small hinges, just like little keys open big vaults, I also want you to get that small failures can derail big futures. Small failures can derail big futures. This is at the heart of what I want to help you with today. Because we don't like to think of the small failures in our life as having a major impact. But let me share what Solomon said. Solomon, if you don't know, is considered the wisest man who ever lived. He was David's son king of Israel. He wrote much of the wisdom literature in the Old Testament. And Solomon had this to say, which I think is helpful for us. He said, the little foxes are ruining the vineyards. Not the big foxes, the, the little foxes. They're running around, they're ruining the vineyards. Catch them, for the grapes are all in blossom. In other words, 
There's things that God wants to grow and produce in your life. But if you're not careful and you allow these little things to run wild, to run unchecked, it will destroy what God wants to produce. Now, I know most of us really don't understand how vicious little foxes can be. So I brought a picture to show you these these little foxes. How many of you think, oh, that's not so bad? It's kind of cute. How many of you would like a little fox in your life right now? No, you don't. You don't want a little fox. It looks cute, but it will destroy what God is trying to grow in your life. And this is the way most of us approach the little things. Oh, it's kind of cute kind of innocent it's not that big a deal might even be proud of it I know I'm always late it's so funny it's just just me just the way God made me no this little thing this cute thing it will destroy what God wants to grow and produce in your life I mean I know I promised to get that done That was before I knew how much work it was going to be. I know I said I would be there. I know we agreed to meet, but I'm kind of tired. I just don't feel like it right now. I mean, there's only five miles over the speed limit. And you're allowed out, right? That's like a given. Can I talk to the officers in the room? Okay, we won't go there. (laughs) See, these little things... These are really God's way of asking, can I trust you? Can I trust you? And what I'm trying to help you see, being faithful in small things, it's really about the practical everyday things. Shows up in your ability to follow through. If you have to be reminded and reminded and reminded to get things done, I'm going to tell you that there's a door that's not going to open for you. If your kids don't believe you when you promise to do something with them, I'm going to tell you there's a door that's not going to open for you. If you're constantly running late, there's a door that's not going to open for you. If you stop at the 90%, because it's, it's close enough, instead of finishing the last 10%, there's a door that's not going to open for you. Being faithful in the small things is the door to more in your life. There might be some people in your life that you need to stop hanging out with, and you have the thought go through your mind, man, if I stop hanging out with them, I won't have any friends in my life. But what you don't understand is that if you don't let the wrong people go, the right people can't step in. You might have the thought go through your mind of, man, I feel like I should be doing more at church. I should be giving or I should be part of a team. I need to take a step, get more involved. But at the same time you have that thought, you think about, 
yeah, but I've got so much going on right now and my life is so busy and they've got so many people, they don't really need me. Besides, I'd rather do something that's more important. I'd rather do something that's more significant. See, unless you obey in the little things, God can't entrust you with more. That's why it matters that you're punctual. That's why it's important that you keep your word. That's why it matters what words you let come out of your mouth. We didn't even talk about that one, but James has a whole chapter about this in James 3. He says, a little rudder steers a big ship. A little flame sets a big forest on fire. And a little tongue controls your whole life. Little things. It might seem like a small thing, but don't confuse small with insignificant. I, I know you might be thinking, why do I have to do all this? Nobody else seems to be doing these things. Well, not everybody else has the call of God on their life like you do. Not everybody else is determined to go for greater things. N not everybody else is going to be sensitive to God's voice. Not everybody else is going to develop the discipline to be obedient to God. God has a great call for you. And heaven uses life's moments and circumstances to prove your character. And let me close with this. There's a great example in John chapter 6 where Jesus had been teaching the multitudes, had been teaching all day, the crowd had been growing and gathering. At this point, it's late in the day. His disciples want to send people away, but Jesus said in, in John chapter 6, verse 5, it says, I think we have it, hopefully. If not, I'll put it here. When Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? I want you to notice verse 6. It says that he asked this only to prove him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. He said it to prove him. He wasn't asking him to work the miracle. He wanted to prove his character. If you know the story, <laughs> there, there was nothing that said, Philip, this is a big moment for you. Philip, th this, this matters how you answer this. No, it just seemed like a small, normal, insignificant question. And Philip responded by saying, well, man, if we were going to do something, we would, we would need half a year's wages just for every person to, to have a bite. But there was another disciple who spoke up. And he said, well, I don't know about that, but here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. And it doesn't say that this disciple who spoke up, it doesn't say that he had this big, courageous answer. Didn't even say that he really thought it was going to work. It was just the fact that he wasn't deterred by something that seemed small. Because Jesus wasn't asking him to solve it. He was just asking them not to keep the door shut on more. And I wonder, for you, could it be the difference between where you are and where God wants you to be? Isn't some big thing? I wonder if maybe it's just a, a small thing. Small instruction. Small step of obedience. A small decision.
Could it be we're short-circuiting God's growth process in our life because of our unwillingness to catch the little foxes? Maybe it's making the hard decision at work not to go through that deal because it would compromise your integrity. Maybe it's resolving that you're going to lead in your home and in your family spiritually. Maybe it's being willing to stand on the truths of Scripture in the face of a culture that is op often at opposition to God's truth. Whatever it is, I want you to know that the door for more, it only opens when you take seriously being faithful with the small things that God has given you.